break bread, fool. You ready? I ready. We ready. Let's do this. Fighting Irish Faithful. Finally here. We are ready for some football. We are really excited to be podcasting tonight with a few people who will be jumping on with us. Uh, we'll get to the guests. They're not really callers. This isn't really a call-in show, but we will get to our guests. we got some new people I see jumping on here, some people who haven't been on in a while. Looking at you, Kev and Jason. That's fine. And, uh, yeah, but big game. If uh, Casey didn't know, Notre Dame is playing Ohio State. And I ready. Are we ready? You ready? Let's do this. So really, uh, really glad to be podcasting with you uh, tonight. And we are going to get right to it. So first and foremost, though, we are drinking a Kirkland single malt scotch whiskey. Uh, We are really excited with this. We've done this one a couple of times, but uh, it's really good. So there we go. So cheers. The toast tonight is uh, is actually going to go to Costco because I swear I talk about them all the time in every single show. So to Costco, cheers to you guys for uh, fueling the hydration of this show. Well, let's get to our first person here. Uh, we're going to jump to Kev. Kev, are you there? I am. Kev, you ready? Oh, you already know I'm ready. No, 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 no. I ready. I ready. I ready. I ready. I ready. Right. Hang up. Call back. No. <laughs> hey, it's it's good. Kev, I, I have a question here. Um, do you know when the Notre Dame versus Ohio State matchup, this home and home series, was announced? Um, Off the top of my head, I don't remember, but... I want to say it was probably something like maybe five years ago or so, something like that. It's a little farther back than that. Um, it was actually two days before the last quote unquote Notre Dame versus Michigan game in 2014, September okay. 4th of 2014. I had to go back in the archives to uh, to look that up, um, which is great because that Notre Dame versus Michigan win two days later. 37 to zero remember the six is one of my favorite notre dame victories ever that was just a complete beat down of the skunk weasels up uh, i was up actually north. at that game i was actually at that oh. game too really so so how I was how was that pick six well i tell you what it was just unbelievable hysteria inside the stadium of course and you know yes. there were so, some some michigan fans surrounding me and they uh they were pretty quiet as you can imagine. So uh, I mean, obviously it was the worst beatdown of Michigan by a Notre Dame team in the series history. So yep. you know it's something that uh, unless unless Notre Dame and Michigan play again and Notre Dame you know does even better in that in the next matchup whenever that is, I I think that's going to be probably one of my uh, favorite memories. Of course. Yeah, Kev, I have another uh, question for you. Okay. Sure. Are you ready for football? <laughs> Are you ready for football? I ready. I ready. ready. That's uh, that was a, that was not a test, but you passed if it was. So, 
Yeah. Uh, so what do you think of this game? How, what do you think of the Irish? Uh, what do you think of Ohio State? Uh, wanna, I want to get to as many people as possible, let people get their prediction in, what they're thinking. Um, and we'll all sprinkle in some stat pieces here and here. So we want to try to get to some of these people, some of these new people. Okay. Um, I think it's going to be a game that uh, I think Notre Dame's going to have to rely heavily on their running game to uh, be uh, productive. I think uh, Harry Heastan's offensive line is going to have to really play well in the trenches. I think the best thing that Notre Dame can do is try to keep that explosive Ohio State offense um, limited on their possessions, try to shorten the game by running the ball effectively. Of course, you can't become so one dimensional, you know, I mean, you have to, Buckner's going to have to perform well. Notre Dame's going to have to be able to, you know, throw the ball down the field, you know, effectively. Um, but I think, you know, when you go back and you look at what Michigan did to Ohio state last year at the end of the season, yep. you know, that was kind of the blueprint for Notre Dame, you know, in this game. And I mean, sure. Ohio state's got more talent than Notre Dame, and it's going to be an insane environment. Um, but, you know, I don't think that the, I think that the, the spread 17 and a half, I tend to think that that's kind of like Vegas trying to bait some people. Oh I really gosh. do. I, I texted my brother as soon as I read that. And I was just like, gosh, it's so tempting to take that 17 and a half points. Like, man, like, and, and I'm going to get into that later in the show, kind of to close things out. But yeah, I, I don't bet on Notre Dame just because it's like, oh, if I lose the bet, but Notre Dame wins, I'm still, quote, disappointed. And it's I, I think that's like you're not really supposed to bet on your team. Right. So, I mean, I, I do this podcast enough, so I already am biasing myself, you know, in a corner so much. So, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, I, I think that the game, assuming that Notre Dame, you know, doesn't commit some crazy errors yep. and things don't get out of control fast. You know, I mean, Notre Dame can't go in there and pee their pants, but, and I don't think that they will, I but, don't think so, um, but, but I mean, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Like a lot of the pundits are saying, you know, I mean, I, I think Notre Dame's going to keep it interesting. I'm not saying Notre Dame's going to win the game by any means. I mean, if I had, if let's put it this way, if, if I had to, you know, make a prediction and it was a life or death matter, you know, I, I, I would have a hard time picking Notre Dame to beat Ohio state. Right. Um, but but I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility. But I mean to be safe, if I had to make a pick, I'd say Ohio State wins. But I don't think it's going to be the massacre that you know the media thinks that it's going to be. It's definitely a tall order. It's certainly our toughest game of the year. And uh, I got a buddy who lives out on the West Coast, and he was saying like, "Damn, that's that's a tough game, you know, to start the season off." And I didn't really get into the all the details about you know how that can potentially be a good thing or you know just you know, just the magnitude of the game. I do think the winner of this game will be in the playoffs just because both either team, I think will, will have good momentum for the rest of the season. Um, and I mean, I would be a fool also to say that Ohio state is not good. They are a very good team. Uh, the numbers that we're going to get into tonight are going to reveal that. And my initial kind of reflection of look starting to look at the numbers looking at how they did last year but then after i started deep diving into it and really looking at what their strengths were and kind of what's left on the roster and things of that nature i'm starting to like think well you know maybe i think notre dame can pull this out if a few things happen for them but i agree with you that 
it, it is certainly not a cakewalk. And um, I do think, let me ask you this question. If Brian Kelly was still our coach, would you have any doubt that we would lose this game? <laughs> oh, if, if Kelly was the coach, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion. Notre Dame's going to lose. I, I mean, there's I pretty much no no doubt about it. I mean, you know, the, 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 I guess the beautiful thing about it is, is you got Freeman as the coach now, and we know that Freeman has really bought into Notre Dame and everything that Notre Dame stands for. I mean, you could just see based on his press conferences, the way he's recruiting, the way the, the players are responding and talking about how fall camp has went. You know I mean? It's clear that Freeman buys into the Notre Dame spirit. Um, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of people are going to say, well, you know, he had a good first half against Oklahoma State, but the second half they fell apart. You know, I, I really take that game and I kind of just throw it out the window. And I mean, it's it, the reason why is because he, he didn't even have his staff. I mean, he was basically yeah. just trying to finish out the season with a hodgepodge of whoever was left from Kelly's staff. Plus, you know, players that, you know, were, were not necessarily sure if they were coming back or not. So, I mean, yeah. that, that to me is an unfair game to really hold against Freeman. You know, I think the real Freeman era truly starts on Saturday evening, you know, when they go down to Columbus, um, you know, and, and regardless of the outcome of the game, you know, I, I still think that that's 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 a tough tough thing to ask of a brand new coach to uh, go up against one of the best teams in the game right now, in their environment. You know, I mean, it, it's 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 not it's certainly not a game that you can I, I would say it's a measuring stick game, but it's not something that I think is a um, judgment of how things are going to go with the Freeman era. Yeah, I don't think like this first game like indicts him if if they lose and it, i don't think it crowns him anything if they win and i think history will show you know the last time the like when tyrone willingham went down to florida state his first game first play of the game we throw like a 60 yard 70 yard bomb arnes battle catches that long touchdown right at florida state and we end up winning and we ended up going eight and oh to start that season and I, I don't know about you guys but damn that felt really good at the time and Unfortunately, it didn't pan out for the guy. So, you know, I don't think and, and you know, Notre Dame was paying Tyrone for quite a few years, uh, even into the Weiss years, uh, his salary because he got fired. So so I, I think there's some lessons learned for us to be very evidence based. And um, I mean, let's also not forget that that team was winning because of the defense and the offense was was garbage. I actually think that our offense will be better. Our defense will maintain and still be just as good as as um last year under um you know our new staff uh you know with our captains and uh yeah i think we're we're in good shape here so well kev uh we're gonna jump to someone else thanks so much for joining us uh do you have a score prediction um i don't really have a score prediction yet real quick here if you don't mind you mentioned something about a tweet that i had tweeted earlier this week or during the weekend about uh the series with uh, notre dame and ohio state and how uh woody hayes oh, um, yes. made a couple comments yes please, um, please educate uh, educate our listeners um you had done this research i thought this was fantastic uh, you had referenced one of my favorite websites. Please go ahead. The floor is yours, Kev. 
All right, real quick here, so you can move on to your next guest. Um, so I was on Winsipedia, and, and obviously as a lifelong Notre Dame fan, I know that Notre Dame and Ohio State haven't played very often. Matter of fact, they've only played a total of six games, with two of those six games being bowl games. Um, but, you know, they had a home-and-home home series back in the 30s, and then they had a home-and-home home series back in the 90s. And, um, you know, with the close proximity of Columbus and South Bend, you know, it's kind of a wonder why haven't Notre Dame and Ohio State played more often, you know. And um, supposedly back in the day, Woody Hayes was asked, you know, this question, and he basically said that, you know, he was kind of concerned about, you know, the Catholic population of Ohio and how polarizing that could be to the population there to have, you know, a Catholic university coming over to your stomping grounds. And, you know, Columbus has a pretty heavy Catholic population. Yeah. He he was worried that that might be a a problem for, for Ohio state. Um, Steal their Now that's, Oh yeah. So, so that's what he publicly said to the media when asked, but you know, now the athletic director at the time, Moose Krause, he had said that, uh, you know, Woody Hayes had told him that, you know, he enjoyed basically only having Michigan as the tough game on their schedule to worry about because, uh, you know, he felt that having to worry about Notre Dame and Michigan would be too distracting for them. And of course, Ohio state's biggest game of the year, the game that they always look forward to the most is the game against Michigan. Sure. So, uh, Absolutely. that is their right. You know, that, yeah. So that's, that's kind of the, the reason why, you know, Notre Dame and Ohio state haven't gotten together very much, uh, over the last, uh, 152 years or so. Yeah, I think the last time uh, these two teams faced each other, uh, and Kev, you'll keep me honest here, um, in the regular season was in the Holtz year, um, a home-and-home series, and unfortunately Notre Dame was defeated in both uh, contests. And then the two most recent events were both uh, bowl games, uh, both BCS-style bowl games, and uh, neither were close there. So um, we do not have a uh, winning record against the Buckeyes. And so that's, I think, feeding into the, uh, the cockiness of, of the Bucknuts. Yeah, you're right. It was back in, uh, 95 and 96 was the uh, last time they had a regular season, uh, home and home, uh, series, but, uh, yeah, you're right. A four and two record for Ohio state versus Notre Dame. You know, that obviously is, uh, something that not many teams in uh, college football can say that they have a winning record against Notre Dame. So, yeah. you know, whenever you, whenever you can boast about that, you know, you're certainly going to take advantage of that. So, well, you know, thanks Kevin so much for sharing that. That was, that was really great uh, insight. Uh, thank you for reminding me. I'm really happy you joined us. Everyone, please follow this man at Kev underscore E Lev E L E V underscore 11 on the Twitter. Kev, thank you so much for uh, joining us tonight. And... No problem. Thank you for having me aboard. All right. And go Irish. Go Irish. All right. So that was Kev. And I uh, red snap from my brother and I did have the opportunity to meet him uh, during the spring game after well, it was more of a post game tailgate here. Uh, we're going to get to someone here who's new, who's been on uh, since pretty much the beginning here. 
uh, we've invited this individual to speak at HGHN116, uh, follows me, B. It's a pretty, pretty dope uh, avatar there. HGHN116, if you would like to speak, by all means, jump on. If not, we will jump to someone else and forever hold your peace. All right, let's go to Justin. Justin, are you there? You're invited to speak. The manliest man with the manliest beard who drinks whiskey more manly than me, that's for sure. Everyone just wants to listen. Or they took their phone into the, the john and... <laughs> They know the rules. Don't don't talk on the podcast in in the in the bathroom here. And that is not a, a not a dare, by the way. Hey man, how you guys doing? Hello, sir. Justin, welcome back. Jason. 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 Shit. Up. Oh, I gotta take a drink. I know. For that. It's all right. It's good. 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 I'm good. How are you guys doing? Shot. Right? Sorry, Jason. Well, that makes it easy because there's another Jason on hold too. So. <laughs> What do you think of the what do you think of this game on Saturday? Pretty pretty big deal, huh? You wait, wait, hold on, wait, 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 wait. Got an important question for you, Jason. Okay. I ready. <laughs> I ready. Yeah, we ready. What do you think of this game? Um. Well, I think uh, Kev had a lot of good points. I think it's it's going to be tough, and it's not a foregone conclusion. Um, by any means, I think that the I I think the running game is going to be big, but I think the uh, things we have to do is Cam Hart and Brandon Joseph going to have to play well. Yep. Uh, the defensive line I think is going to be the biggest impact on the game if we can rattle Stroud, keep Henderson kind of under wraps and rush some throws. That that's how we're going to force some turnovers. Yes, yeah, Stroud think, is fantastic, and and you know he threw four thousand four hundred thirty-five yards last year, averaging fourteen yards per completion. Now the ironic thing, or kind of the interesting thing, Tyler Buckner, though only threw two hundred ninety-eight yards last year, his yards per completion average is slightly better than C.J. Stroud. He has fourteen point two. So. Don't know what that really means. It really doesn't mean anything other than yard points because uh, his attempts per touchdown is not nearly as uh, good as C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud uh, threw a touchdown every 10 attempts where Buckner was 11.7. Well, we like those. We like those little silver linings. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, the sample size is not, not even close. You know, I mean... CJ Stroud is well over an order of magnitude more. He has 441 attempts last year as a true freshman versus Tyler Buckner. Now, interesting thing about CJ Stroud, and if if Red Snapper was here, he could he could talk to this more uh, since he is a resident of the Southern California area. CJ Stroud went to Rancho Cucamonga High School. That is the next uh, city over, per se, from where me and Red Snapper grew up. And now uh, my my old high school now plays Rancho Cucamonga every year in league play. Um, when I was a, high, a, a student, we didn't play his high school as much. So, so that I, I thought that was kind of interesting how how it's kind of a small world. It's like oh shit, he's from the nine oh nine area code. All right, there it is. So, 
But yeah, he's very talented, very good. And I mean, I think, I mean, let's face it, the media loves quarterbacks. They love, you know, the the glitz and glamour. You know, I mean, there's no surprise why Heisman's go to typically quarterbacks. Um, but they can be very impactful. And he certainly was a positive influence, you know, with a touchdown to interception ratio of 7.3. You know, that's better than the Heisman Trophy average, right? So... <laughs> Um, I'm not, you know, crowning him the next Heisman winner. You know, he's, I think his team and he has to do some other good things and Bryce Young is pretty good too. So, but Jason, what, yeah, uh, think, what do you think? Do you have a, do you have a score prediction or, or what I do? You- I, I think, uh, if we can figure out a way to get mayor the ball and then, um, have a plan for when he inevitably gets doubled down the middle of the field and gets styles involved, I think Notre Dame wins. 37-33, I think it's a last-minute throw to the end zone from about the 30-yard line for Ohio State that falls incomplete. 37-33, I'm writing this down. Excellent. Yeah, I think I think Mayer, as a captain, one of our captains uh, is a clearly a target, um, and he uh, he does have the ability to attract people to him if we can have styles have a breakout year and um just just open things up even a swing pass bubble screen type stuff and granted i don't really want to throw the ball very much and and typically the the key to success against ohio state is can you run the football and that's something that marcus freeman mentioned in his press conference this week that i listened to very briefly and um, but he was talking about the emphasis to running the football and how that was a key to success for beating this team in Columbus. Well, Jason, thank you so much for joining us again. You're welcome to stay. We are we are stacked with people. Uh, we're going to we're going to try to bounce it around. Um, you're you're happy to jump on. You know, we'll try to keep it kind of, you know, we're not kicking anyone off. Obviously, if you got something that's, you know, on the tip of your tongue, you want to say, you know, obviously jump in, jump into the pile. Uh, but we're going to continue to invite at HGHN116, invite you to speak, sir, uh, if you so wish. We are going to jump to someone who has been on hold, and there's a few other people I see. Oh, Johnny W. Boxing just jumped on. Welcome, sir. We're going to invite at PMV33 to speak, if you so wish. If not, you can just listen. That's cool, too. Uh, but to accept the request and hit the pink button if you want to speak. And if not, we'll just move on to Jason Yeager. Crickets, crickets. All right, Kevin, thank you for jumping in. Welcome, Kevin. Been added to, as a speaker. Unmute yourself, hit the pink button, and you're oh. in. Uh, I was just talking like I was unmuted. But okay. <laughs> no, you're all okay. good, man. Welcome back, Kevin. Uh, so I don't know if anybody talked about it. Um, So correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the Ohio State uh, defensive coordinator from Oklahoma State? Yes. Yes. So Jim, Jim Knowles. I, so everybody's talking about this Ohio State offense, and they're going to be good. Okay. Whatever. But. Notre Dame has also experienced Jim Knowles in their last game. So, 
there's two things Jim Knowles can do. He can come into Ohio State and change the scheme up, which don't too many people do that, right? No. They come in with their own scheme and, and they and they implement it. His tiger so, stripes are pretty pretty evident, I think. Yeah. So with that, Nordame's already experienced this def- this defense, right? So I think our offense because actually um who I think played well against that defense. Um I think our defense failed us at the end of the game a little bit, but yes. we could do a few things better on the offense, especially our running game, but play Buckner in the third quarter in the Oklahoma State game and then we don't <laughs> Cor- correct. So uh, and, and I know Ohio State's um Ohio State's defensive players will probably be better than Oklahoma State, but not not too much better. So I think since we already had the experience of Knowles and what his defensive schemes and thought process are like, that gives us an edge. Um, it gives our offense a little bit of an edge in this game. Um, and I feel like if on on our defense side of the ball, if we can if we can bracket or their outside receivers um, and not not lose the sidelines, force uh, Stroud to throw the ball through the middle where linebackers can make them make difficult throws by throwing over them. That's where we win the game. Make those those passes difficult for him, um, and, and I think we'll be fine. And my score prediction is actually twenty four twenty seven OT. Um, twenty four twenty seven. I'm writing that down. So I, I I think I think we have more of an advantage than people think we do because we've experienced Knowles uh, before, and he's going to come in. Being me being a defensive coordinator in high school. I don't switch schools and, and come in and, and go from a four two five to a three four. Yeah. I'm coming in and implement my thing and fitting people into my scheme and my thought process. I think if we go back and watch a little bit of Oklahoma State, we'll get a little bit of feel of his thought processes. We ain't gotta worry about the scheming down to a T, but just his thought processes of how he select blitzes and coverages. I think I think we'll be fine. I think we'll win twenty twenty seven, twenty four OT. Nice. Yeah, and that that's an interesting point you bring up because you know we we've seen a Jim Knowles defense before, and and clearly he's got a lot of work to do with the Ohio State defense that was just not very good last year. I mean, let's face it, they went toe to toe down to the wire and had to come from behind, you know, to beat Utah in the Rose Bowl. I think Ohio State has a uh, their offense has a little more struggle for um for themselves because they're they're coming in and al golden it's like like what do you expect from him right there's very little film on al golden i mean what are they going to do go back and and watch the cincinnati Bengals, right i don't know the answer to that are they going to go back to old film from miami so i think that they are going to have there's more of a mystery surrounding Notre Dame and our scheme for two reasons. One, the defensive side, which we just talked about, but two, also with Buckner. Buckner has played like 80 plays total in college, right? And and last week we talked all about it. And if you didn't hear it, go back uh, on the podcast version of last week where we got Buck Wild. We talked all about Tyler Buckner and how he really is maverick. And he has the skills and this and I compared him to Johnny Manziel. And in certain categories, he was better than Johnny Manziel. So I think the 
the the proof of the pudding and or the 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 ownership falls on Ohio State like how do you account for Notre Dame and the weapons that we have so I think that's that's something that that we're going to have to address going forward uh, if you're Ohio State you know I think there's way more question marks on Notre Dame side now if you're the typical Ohio State fan where they're extremely dismissive they just kind of shrug Notre Dame off and they go Woody Hayes and say, oh, you know, whatever. We'll just focus on Michigan at the end of the year kind of situation. OK, but look, you did that against Oregon and you lost last year. OK, you thought you were going to be King Tut going into the Rose Bowl and you almost got embarrassed by a Utah team. Right. So I think there's there's things that Notre Dame has going for them. Um and that's not to, to be dismissive of the weapons that Ohio State has, and it is a home game for them, right? Ohio State is not an easy place to play. I, I, would, I wouldn't put it as top five, but I'd say it's like a top 10 stadium uh, for difficulty. I'd put like, you know, Kyle Field and Texas A&M, um, Miami when everyone snorted cocaine and they've got the turnover chain going on. I, I don't think they do that anymore. Um Virginia Tech, I think, is is harder. Penn State, even LSU, despite the fact that Kelly's there, right? Maybe he'll actually make it suck. I don't know. <laughs> but um, Ohio State is a real deal football program with real deal players. Now, one thing I wanted to talk about is with C.J. Stroud, though he's very, very good, and you know he he threw 44 touchdowns last year, you know, Heisman trophy winners on average over the last 10 years, throw about 33, you know, ish. So, so that's good. He's playing above the rim there as a freshman. So if you're a buck nut, yeah, you're like, well, look how great our quarterback is, right? Respect. Um, great passer rating, but here's the thing. He does not run. He's a pocket passer. He doesn't see it. He throws it away which is kind of like a Tommy Reese kind of situation now that he's extremely accurate. But was he accurate because of him or because he had very, very good receivers? Go back to the NFL draft, and I'm not an NFL guy, but what I did, I did this analysis for Notre Dame, and so I carried it over to Ohio State. I looked at Notre Dame, and I said, okay, who on our team d- departed to the NFL, right? Kyron Williams was our most productive offensive player. Kyle Hamilton, Drew White, etc. These guys all go and leave the program. And if you do that analysis and you look over at Ohio State, specifically on the receiving side, their top two receivers, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, were both drafted in the first round back-to-back one to the Jets and one to the Saints. Together, they both accounted for 25 of their total 46 touchdowns. Their tight end, Jeremy Ruckert, also was drafted in the third round to the Jets. And the departure of those three guys only leaves 39% of their remaining touchdowns, receiving touchdowns that they had. There's only 18 remaining out of the 46 they had last year. So that means CJ Stroud has to find, you know, Jackson Smithmore, Traven Henderson, Marvin Harrison, and Marvin Harrison's very good, right? He's a five-star recruit, right? So let's not, you know, wipe our nose with that guy. That guy is very good. 
My point is, was C.J. Stroud really good last year because of these great receivers that he was throwing to? Very veteran guys, NFL caliber guys. I don't know the answer to that. We're going to find out on Saturday. So that's something I wanted to bring up where there is a, there is hope for us that maybe they will have a letdown at the receiving core. I also think, though, that Notre Dame will have an uptick in receiving this year. Now, the departure of Avery Davis with his injury doesn't help, but Mayer, everyone knows he's going to be good. Lindsey, if you were at the spring game, looks like he has put on some muscle. He's he's destined for a breakout year. Styles, we love the guy. And then you got to throw our running backs in there, right? And then someone like Joe Wilkins or, you know, even um, Tobias Merriweather, our true freshman, right? Yeah, I, I think if also if you look at the, the game, Stroud, um, he played the games that were the two, the three games, the two that they lost and the one that was close. The one common denominator is defensive lines, defensive ends getting in his face. Yep. Having threats on the line. I think we have the D line to give them that same type of issue. I agree. I agree. And that's something I want to address later on uh, in the show tonight about um, an option and a possibility that can let us in. I, I do think that um, CJ Stroud will be forced to make decisions on the fly. will be forced to, uh, he will be uncomfortable, you know, like in the back seat of a Volkswagen. That's that's my opinion. So, <laughs> well, Kevin, uh, please stay on. I've made you co-host since Red Snapper is uh, in the infirmary tonight. Um, so hope, hope he rests up. We invited uh, Johnny W. Boxing to jump on. Johnny, are you there? I am. Can you hear me? I can. Johnny, I have a question. Yes. <laughs> oh, certainly, certainly. Hey, guys, um, I'll be real quick. Um, thank you so much for the invite. I always try to jump on, but life is uh, pretty crazy out here in SoCal. Um, just to everyone in the room, um, if you don't follow me, uh, please, um, I will definitely follow you back. I love talking about Notre Dame football and realistic fans. So uh, looking forward to a um, hopefully a fun weekend. Um, it's always the first weekend of the year. My wife and I, we celebrate and, um, you know, it's, it's going to be fun. So I'll make it quick. It's just an honor to meet you guys. And thank you for inviting me on. And again, anyone on here, please follow me. I'll follow you right back. I don't, I don't play that game. I don't care if you have five followers or 5,000. I'm not, I, I'm going to follow you. Nice. All right. Thanks yeah. for having me on. Hey, no Go problem. Irish. Go Irish. Well, that's Johnny W boxing. He, he's actually been a really, uh, loyal, uh, follower of the show, uh, for quite some time. Uh, would love to talk to him more, but I know he's busy. He's got work and, and the whole the whole bit here, Wookie. I see your request. Uh, we're gonna go to Jason because he was he he jumped on before you did. Sorry, I know, um, but he has kids and you don't. So, <laughs> Jason, jump on, uh, Wookie. Hang tight, Jason. Hello, hello, Jason. Question. Yes. Yes. I am absolutely ready for some football. You ready? Oh, I'm ready. No, I ready. I ready. We established ready. this earlier with Kev. Okay. I ready. <laughs> I ready. What do you think of this game? You and you live in Ohio too, so so you're probably really <laughs> like, like, you know, facing facing the uh, the demons here. I, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say call Ohio State fans. You know, 
spawns of hell. No, you can't. You can't. <laughs> but they, they've been I'm some assholes on Twitter. So I'm in Youngstown, so I've got the Steeler fans and the Ohio State fans. Oh gosh! And so, so, so you you're like wearing a vest just to make fun of Trestle, or? Yes, pretty much. Well, especially there because Youngstown State, and he did do a lot of good stuff up here, though. So I can't say too much yeah, bad things. He's, he's about a university that. president now, so he's he's living the good life, you know. Oh, oh yeah. What What do you think of this football game against uh, um, the Bucknuts? I think it's going to be trenches. I think it's purely don't give up the big pass play and win the trenches. Yeah. Um, that I think it's that simple, and. It's a lot easier said than done, but it's kind of that simple as if you can pressure the quarterback, stop the run, run the ball, yep. and then don't give up the the big home run balls that Ohio State lived off of for the last how many yeah. years? Oh yeah. No, they've they've so. been and, and we cannot give up those big plays. You know, that was that was just killer for us, especially the beginning of last season. You know, Florida State, Toledo, both of those games, I think even Purdue. Um it, it is not it cannot happen we will get burned if we let cj stroud throw it downfield cam hart needs to be legit um our, our secondary that whole crew needs to be ready and play smart disciplined football this is one of those situations where i'm like look don't jump routes because these guys are so good grant i'm not the the d coach you know we'll let kevin make those kind of x's and o's comments especially on the defensive side but um yeah i I think that's a very valid point we we cannot allow the big play because let's face it the i was looking at some of these stats of how ohio state lost and is specifically with the oregon game in michigan consistent with both games i looked at the scoring drives or all the drives of oregon michigan and ohio state and oregon was five of 12 not not too fancy but ohio state was four of 13 to score in that michigan game michigan was six out of 11 ohio state was five out of 10 right and that that was like the closest it was um if you really want to go back you'll go to the alabama game the, the 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 natty uh, in the COVID year where Ohio state somehow got in with just seven wins. Um, but they did beat the crap out of Clemson regardless. Um, <laughs> Ohio state only scored four out of their 12 possessions. So they, it's about it. It's a little better than Notre Dame in 2012 versus Alabama, but, <laughs> but that was under Kelly. So, um, uh, do you have a score prediction? Uh, 31, 34, 31 uh, Notre Dame 31 34 ND Irish win We're writing this down everyone's kind of in that 30s low 30s kind of area here yeah I think I think and I think 31 34 is kind of a kind of a typical like was that was like what the game of the century uh score that was the bush push score I think um something like that so yeah there's um do you think that there are some like, like, is this game like a super big deal for the rest of the season? Like, is this a defining moment for Marcus Freeman or is that just media hype? If they get ran out of the, ran off the field and just blown completely out of the water, I think it could. But 
with the way Freeman is, just the way he presents himself, speaks everything else like that. Even if it's that way, it's on to the next one type thing and just mm. keep going. Um, I think his attitude, his mentality, his ethic is just too good to let one game, no matter what happens, define the season. Right. I mean, I think if if the only thing I think, it, and I agree with you, I don't think like, you know, the season is defined by one singular game. Um, if if say we are run out of the gym, which I don't think will happen. But if say that happens, right, I would only be concerned. I would be very interested on the next three or four games. You know, what do we do against Marshall when we return home, Cal, um, North Carolina, and then that BYU game right early in the season? I would be very interested in how those next games play out. And I'd be looking a lot more closely under the magnifying glass at those. Whereas if it's a close loss or, you know, we cover the spread or, or, you know, however you want to sugarcoat the loss, you know, then it's then it's a little different. If we win, however, which is what I think will happen. Oh, spoiler alert. I do think that um, it puts us in a huge momentum shift uh, for Marcus Freeman as our new head coach and for the team. A hundred percent. You look at Willingham. He came out, won the first game against Florida State. And then 8-0, you can't, I mean, it catapulted that team. They had the greatest, they had the greatest luck in the world. And that's actually where I learned how bad Ohio State fans were when I was in college. (laughs) Um, Because both teams started off 8-0 and I was saying how lucky Notre Dame was and they were saying, how they called it at the beginning of the year when they said it was a rebuild year with Claret coming back first year and Krenzel being a quarterback of nobody knowing. And then they said, told you so, told you so. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm done with this. Do you think so. Tommy Reese and Marcus Freeman have the courage? And, and I do think say courage. I don't, I don't, I don't like to throw that around, you know, do they have balls? You know, I don't like throwing that phrase out too much. Cause I think it's just too tongue in cheek, but do you think they have the courage to throw it deep on the first play at Ohio State just to shut the crowd up and just say, hey, I'm here? Do, do you think they have the courage to do something like this? Out of the eye, play action, fake holiday, rolling out to the right, looking to throw, throwing long downfield, got a man downfield, battle at the 25, at the 20, the 15, at the 10, on an angle, five, he'll score, touchdown Notre Dame, 65 yards on the first play, Carlisle Holiday to Arnaz Battle. Do you think they they can do something like that or they will do something like that or they should they do something like that? Yes to all of the above. And I think there's been because of how close he is with the old players, the old coaches. I bet you they've he's seen that play multiple times and heard about that play multiple times leading up to this. I don't think it would be an accident that they do so try to do something like that for sure. Yeah, I think I think just, you know, hey, wake up. Look at our quarterback. He's pretty damn good, too. You know, he was also recruited by USC and Alabama, right? So um, sounds like, you know, he's got some some skills. And Kelly, I think, was a dumbass for not playing him more. Um, I understand why he played Cone, and, and I've gone into that on a previous show, but um, not that I'm defending Kelly in any, any way, but, yeah. <laughs> it's a- I'll say something real quick. The reason why I would throw a deep first play, is because 
if you think about it, we're going to have a good running back or a couple of them, and we have we have a, a quarterback that can use his legs. The defense is going to probably put people in this box. They're going to try to put people in this box. They're probably going to spy Buckner. I think the deep ball might be open on the first play because that reason they're going to be worried about the feet. They're going to worry about inside the box, what he's going to do with his feet, what the running back's going to do. If we can slip like Mayer right down the scene some, or let Braden, let Lindsey fly, I think on oh, the first yeah. play, it might, it might work. It just might work. Well, and Lindsey's a track guy. He's so fast that, you know, and I don't know what his 40 time is relative to the DBs of Ohio State. Yeah, I don't know what the cadence is, but I'll jump in. I think that's a great call. Um, I think they're going to they're gonna jump the box, and um, let's see what happens. Yeah. Thank you, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we don't have Ohio State people listening on unless uh, someone hears a spy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, these are all loyal Notre Dame people. But the, uh, yeah, you know, the, I, I think there's something to say about that. And, and like, you know, a, a lot of people talk, and I, I won't go into details here, but I keep hearing on other shows people talking about a modern offense, and I'm still waiting to under waiting for said people to define what that means. To me, it's it's all about production and effectivity. And look, our most productive receiver last year was Mayer with 71 receptions. Okay, and he got a touchdown every 10 times he touched the ball. All right. Same with Lindsay, though, surprisingly. The math actually works out the, that way, except Mayer had seven touchdowns and Lindsay had three. Someone who I think really was on the uptick was Styles. But then let's not forget about our running back. And I believe that our strength this year will not be the receivers. It will be running. And I don't mean just Buckner with his ability to rush. I actually think that with Tyree... Diggs and Estime available. And if we had Price, if Price hadn't gotten injured, oh my gosh. But just those three guys alone. Um, and, and I'm really happy that Logan Diggs is is coming back and is, is back, you know, practicing, you know, at full speed. So so I'm I'm happy with that. I genuinely think that the running back group will be the most productive part of our offense which is good because the team that always rushes against this ohio state team especially last year always wins they always win so so that that is a good thing for for the irish that i think our strength is the running back group this group of guys who did not see the were were not able to be as productive but that's because kyron williams was in the backfield the guy who ran over a thousand yards you know is playing for the rams right now right you know jason yeager's buying ram shit now for his son right because he loves kyron williams and right um so yeah i've, I've got a uh, kyron williams autographed card coming in for my son for uh, his birthday in a couple weeks oh, so is, yeah i assume this is a surprise for his birthday oh yeah nice yep. Nice. That's awesome. That's fantastic. But yeah, I think I think those are the strengths that can help uh, the Fighting Irish uh, this season. So, all right, we're we're gonna move over to the Wookie. He's been very very patient. Uh, we've invited Wookie to speak. Thank you, everyone. Wookie, are you there? 
I am here. What's up? Welcome back to the Fighting Irish Faithful show, sir. Thank you. How are you feeling today? What do you feel about this game on Saturday? I'm going to start off and I'm going to go big. I'm going uh, Notre Dame 45, Ohio State 38. Because we have not talked about this yet. This is um, not Urban Meyer's Ohio State. This is somebody else. This is a new coach, which going up against another new coach, there's going to be some things that, you know, mistakes made, yeah, but it's going to be a knockdown, drag-out, high-scoring game, I think. It's going to start up the deep ball throw, I think we should totally do on the first play, but I think it's more or less going to start off running, and then at after halftime, bomb diggy, bomb see what's up. I mean, Ryan Day is, is I guess, fairly new if you compare him to someone like a Urban Meyer or, you know, Nick Saban or even Kelly, right? And he, But he is more experienced than, than Freeman. You know, he, he already right. has three seasons under his belt. And in that time, he's only lost four times. And he has 34 freaking wins with a per- winning percentage of 89, rounding up to 90%. So, so I mean... Uh, you're not wrong when you say he's only been there three years, but I'm also like, well, he's got a 90% win percentage. But losing to Michigan should knock off about 10 more, so it should be like she had 10 losses today. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Well, And I, and I think that Michigan that Michigan team really was, was pushing hard, and, and clearly that was Harbaugh's best team he's ever put on the field, um, you know, by going to the playoffs and, and what they did, and um, I think Michigan's gonna gonna be having a a down year this year, which of course makes me happy. But um, <laughs> I mean, let's face it. You know, I really only cheer for Ohio State against three teams. Yep. Miami, Michigan, and USC. But <laughs> other than that, probably not. I'll probably cheer for like Penn State or Ohio State or something. You know what I mean? Like. Right. And, and what's interesting is like, so, so I grew up on the West coast, right? So I didn't really, I didn't really understand the Michigan rivalry with Notre Dame, uh, until I actually moved to the Midwest and was a student at Notre Dame. Um, I actually hated Ohio state and Michigan state more. Um, and I think a lot of that is based off of, you know, um, you know, Michigan state planting the flag against Notre Dame in 2005. And then, Notre Dame getting their ass kicked by uh, Ohio State in the bowl game, and Trestle, you know, wears a sweater vest, and you know all this other bull crap. And but as time has gone on, like my my hatred for Michigan grew, and my disdain for Ohio State went down just slightly. Um, but you know that that's just kind of how it is. Anyway, um, we've talked about how Ohio State has lost their two best receivers, um, their returning production on offense versus ours. Now, one thing that Ohio State does have going for them, and this is something I think our defense, of course, will be well coached under Al Golden, is Ohio State's rushing attack. We have to talk about this because this, this really jumped off the page here on the numbers. I looked at the most productive players who actually scored touchdowns for Ohio State last year. 
you got Henderson, Teague, Williams, Wilson, and Pryor. And they scored 15, 4, 3, 1, and 1 touchdowns, respectively. All five of these guys are all back. None of them transferred. None of them went to the NFL. Um, I think one of these guys got uh, got an injury, right? But it, it was not Henderson. So their, their top rusher, who had more yards than Kyron Williams, Kyron Williams had about 1,000. This guy had 1,200. Um, he averaged 6.8 yards per carry, 15 touchdowns, and averaged a touchdown every 12.2 times he touched the ball. Kyron Williams averaged a touchdown every 14 times he touched the ball. So that kind of puts in perspective how productive this guy can be. And with Ohio State losing their top two receivers, I think it now turns the turns the hourglass the other way, kind of more in the trenches. And this even goes back to kind of those those you know you you think of Ohio State and and the teams that were winning BCS games, were winning playoff games, and and even winning titles. They all had good rushing attacks, right? Anything from 2014 to 2002, they all ran the ball very well, right? So that's something I think needs to be mentioned for us as Notre Dame fans to be aware of this. Now, what makes me hopeful and happy and optimistic in what I think is the um, you know elephant in the room, per se, with Ohio State and their rushing attack, potentially, is our defense our rushing defense is going to be very good right in the middle there at linebacker. You got JD Bertrand and Bo Bauer. Uh, we have referred to Bo Bauer as the sharp hockey skate. Um, and both of them are captains. So I'm really excited about that. You got Foskey in the middle and then Jason Amiola, who was our fourth best defender. If I say last year, as far as like solo tackles and, and tackles for loss and things of that nature. I think Jason Amiola is going to be uh, play a huge role up front with Foskey. So we'll see. You know, someone like Howard Cross will, will probably be on the up and up, and but but our cornerbacks will have to stay assignment ready and and do well. So one we'll thing keep... about oh, go ahead, okay. Kevin. I was gonna say one thing about the comparison between uh, the two teams in their running games uh, last year is that against Ohio State, most teams probably would have had to run a dime package or a nickel package against them because of the receivers. So that leaves a, a one less linebacker off the field, which means the running game is there. With yeah. us, you didn't have to do that, right? You could have played that extra linebacker because our receivers weren't stellar, and then Kyron Williams was running the ball pretty well, so you had to keep something more in the box. So – that could have been a difference last year, and I feel like um, on both sides of the ball, I think that would be the same thing this year. But like you said, with that, the, those up-front guys, our, our run game uh, defense is going to be pretty solid. Um, another thing with our run game, do you think we might see some two-back? Well, I have I a bias, and, but I think the strength, and just my opinion of football overall, it's very holistic, but to answer your question, yes. I think that we would be wise to have two running backs to force them to try to crash down, creep up, and let someone like a Lindsay slip behind. But I also think that we have the guys up front, 
you know, our offensive line clearly will be better under Harry Heastan this year than it was last year. Um, it can only get better. I guess it could get worse, but I really don't think it will get worse than it was last year. Um, I do think that two running backs with, and, and let's put it this way. If, if, and not that I think we need to like do all this check downs and, and, you know, you know, confuse our, our guys with, with checks and reads and all this other shit, just go up there, run the fucking play. Right. But with Buckner and his skill set, Logan Diggs, Tyree and estimate, I mean, like Kevin, you're a defensive coach. Like if two, if three of those guys were all back there, you know, Buckner and, and then to, to pick two other running backs, whoever you want, how do you prepare for that? That's really tough to do. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. Like it's just tough when you have three solid people back there. Um, um, most people stack the box, but then in order to do, well, once you stack the box, you leave those, those passing things open. So yep. hopefully that's what I can do. And mayor can slip behind some people. Braden can like, hopefully, I don't know. Hopefully we see some stuff we haven't seen in a while before. Yeah, and I think, and I don't want to be, um, I, I'm trying to be very objective and fair to Tommy Reese, but I will be the first to admit, and I've said this before, because in my first season, the year of COVID in 2020, um, I, at the end of the season, actually thought that there, we maybe should fire Reese as, as the offensive coordinator. And I did walk it back based off of looking holistically at the numbers and the data compared to other Notre Dame offenses under Kelly. And so I walked it back. But one thing that continues to jump off the page for me is when I look at the stats of national champions, national champions on average over the last 10 years, I'll keep saying this because that's what we do on this show. They run the ball 56% of the time, period. Reese sometimes doesn't do that. And certainly in the bowl game, he did not do that either, right? So so that makes me nervous with now Reese without, you know, Kelly and his influence and all that. Is he going to be more objective to, like, what is the path to success? Or is he going to do his thing? Or because he was a quarterback and he was under Kelly, he kind of has that pass, pass, pass button mindset. I don't know the answer to that. And, but I, I also think Reese is not stupid. And he knows that his receivers, there's some question marks there other than Mayer, right? But but that's pretty much it. Everyone else, like, you're waiting for Styles, You're waiting for Lindsey and some of these other guys to rise up and, and be the guy, right? None of those guys are Golden Tate, Michael Floyd, or Jeff Samarja, right? None of them are. Mayer is the only one at, who is carrying the tight end U banner right now. But he also is as a big guy, as a big force, I think can be a snow shovel and move people to allow someone like Tyree or Diggs or Estimate or even Buckner the opportunity to use their legs, move the chains, keep the clock moving. I firmly believe that if Notre Dame rushes more and is effective in the rushing game, they will win this football game because, let's put it this way, if our offense is on the field more than theirs, and I'm not going to get too much into time of possession, but the longer our offense is on the field, the less opportunities for the explosive CJ Stroud offenses, right? 
that's what we have to do. Now, Wookie was on here and he went on mute and there was a there was another question I wanted to ask Wookie. Wookie, are you back? Yeah, what's up? So, first and foremost, I am so ready for some football. <laughs> no, 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 I ready. I ready. I ready. I ready. <laughs> oh, there you go. There. You go. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is getting that spoiler alert, right? I, I've I've been planning that for three weeks. I think it was during the <laughs> the first show. I was like, oh, I gotta I gotta do that. That's just gonna be awesome. I mean, like you have to. I mean, we got a new coach. Like, I'm really pumped up. Like, and this is a huge game. Like, man, this it just can't. Like, I'm still pinching myself. Like, okay, I got to make sure I go get bottled beer. Go, like, okay, we're gonna make nachos <laughs> and and do all this. Like, I have like this routine, right? You know, um, of course. You know, and like, you know, I'm hoping that the the Fighting Irish Faithful koozies that I made will arrive. The shirts arrived today. They look dope. Um, we're going to do a plug for the store here. The Fighting Irish Faithful Gear has an Etsy store. Check out my Twitter profile. It's there. It's there. It's linked. Well, um, definitely. If, if you're so interested. And uh, yeah, shit's expensive now. But anyway, um, Wookie, the, um, with Al Golden departing the NFL, and you're a Bengals guy, so who day I consider you my, my uh, reliable source here. Okay. What elements do you think he can bring to the defense that will put Ohio State on the ropes? Um, turnovers. Very, very big on turnovers, as you saw with our uh, defense when he was the coach. And we, we had so many interceptions under him, and actually we had more yards after the catch, after the interception under him as well. Nice, nice. Yeah, so it's going to be takeaways. Now, now here's a here's a question, pop quiz, because I, I okay. do these uh, breakdown here. Turnover margin. This is total total turnovers for both teams last year. Ohio State last year, Notre Dame last year. Who had a better turnover margin, Notre Dame or Ohio State? Um, gonna go with the I guess Ohio State no they are actually tied this was really surprising for me really that the turnover margin was tied both of them had were plus nine on the year what and, and ranked 14th in the country which I thought was really really strange now what's interesting What's interesting about that is when I looked at the Oregon game and the Michigan game last year, the turnovers were not crazy in one team's favor. In Oregon, Ohio State only had one turnover versus Oregon had zero, but Michigan had one turnover and Ohio State had zero. (laughs) And if we want to go back even further in the Natty game, in at the in the end of 2020 when alabama beat the shit out of ohio state which was kind of fun to watch um, kind of alabama had one turnover and ohio state had zero hmm. so it's really interesting and, and i was going through these stats of I, I wanted to look at what i originally wanted to do was look at all four 
four. I can count on one hand the number of times Ryan Day has, has lost a football game coaching Ohio State. Right. That's and, right. and and that I say that with respect to Ryan Day. He is a good coach. A ninety percent win percentage is is Chris Peterson at Boise State levels, right? But he's not doing it in the the WAC or the Mountain West or whatever. He's doing it in the Big Ten. Even though half the Big Ten is trash with you know Rutgers and IU, and which makes me sad. But anyway, he's lost four games, and they were Clemson in the playoffs in twenty nineteen, the Natty game, which we talked about, and these other two last year, right? And it's crazy as you you look at this Alabama game specifically, like the 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 stats are are swapped, you know, like typically Ohio State passes more than they run, but that Ohio mm-hmm. that Alabama game is totally flip flopped, right? Um, you know, completion percentage is obviously in the favor of Bama versus Ohio State, but all the other games it's not, you know. So so that it was and. and that Alabama team was so good, and Al- I think Notre Dame really did their darndest to 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 do it. But you know, it just we just did not have the ability to contain their receivers, and you know, Najee Harris is hurtling over us, which which makes me sad. So, mm. well, hey, Wookie, yeah, we're uh, we're gonna we're gonna jump to someone here. Uh, there's someone here is a official Notre Dame football super fan. Uh, Bruce Stratton, Stratton, you've been invited to speak, sir, if you so wish. Up, oh, nope, scared him off. Yeah, he's just coming in to spy and listen, make sure we're, you know, not shanking anybody and we're doing good behavior. Jam, famous Michael Jackson song at J A M E K O seven o three. You've invited to speak, if you so wish. Or you can just listen to the Fighting Irish Faithful show here on Twitter. You can find us also, and this will all be on the podcast version on Spotify and iTunes. Just search for Fighting Irish Faithful. I come up. This is Season 3, Episode 6, Volume 58. Very happy to be talking to people. We got Kevin Davis as my co-host. Johnny W. Boxing is jumping in and out, out on... The left coast, the best coast, right? Right, Johnny? Right? It's not the Atlantic Ocean where the water is like warm bath water, which is odd. Um, we got Wookie representing Florida. Oh, yeah. Warm water is awesome. Is it really? I feel like I'm just taking a bath. It's like kind of gross. I want to jump in the water and freeze my ass off like the Pacific Ocean. You can actually breathe. <laughs> you don't take your breath away when you jump in. Oh, and the fans don't burn your feet either. Oh my gosh, I I did. They um I uh, I'm a member of the Knights of Columbus, and you know we do charity events, and and we like supporting the Special Olympics and and support the Special Olympics athletes. And um for this this last year we did a plane pole, which was really fun. But then uh we did the polar plunge, where you literally jump into like 30 degree water in a lake and it's funny they got like rescue people there in case someone has cardiac arrest which and you have to sign waivers so it's it's kind of exciting but the uh the polar plunge was was a rush and <laughs> it's like you jump in you, you just everyone's high-fiving and you're freezing um but hey you're freezing for a reason so that was fun so johnny hey bud um i'm not really um good with uh jumping in and out so my i keep going down so my apologies there um i have a comment earlier about uh tommy reese launching it yes do you think 
do you think that maybe he had the training wheels taken off and then maybe he just wanted to do what he wanted to do for a long time and Kelly mitigated that? So I'll listen for the answers. Thanks. Yeah, that's a that's a great question um, with with Reese. I don't know enough about what his system is, and I don't think it's fair to really assess what his system is with three weeks under Marcus Freeman. Um, you know, because I mean, yeah, all his receivers were essentially unchanged for that bowl game, but he didn't he didn't really have a whole lot of different um like what was new right and and my problem is it's like well you got this other quarterback over here named tyler buckner who's really effective and you know we saw time and time again you know anything from virginia tech to toledo he comes in he gives the team a spark like that third quarter was god awful and he should have called down the tower or Marcus Freeman should have said something and say, hey, let's put Buckner in. We're kind of getting stale here. We need to go in. My problem, the biggest thing I have, and uh, I'm not prepared for this. Shoot. Uh, need to find our... Uh, here it is. Our stats from that game, the Oklahoma State game, we only ran the ball 23% of the time. It was one of the lowest all season. I actually think it was the lowest all season was in that bowl game. And it's like, for God's sakes, you got Tyree, you've got, you know, Estime and Buckner that they can run the ball. I realize our leading rusher was not there. And so that kind of freaks you out, you know, because it's like, look, man, like good teams tend to not do that. Right. Like, yes. Look, if the pass is there, take it. Right. And and you're hitting guys wide open in stride. You know, like like we did this against Syracuse, you know, where we're throwing, you know, passes to Dexter Williams, who, you know, clearly is an athletic running back and one of my favorite running backs of all times at Notre Dame, Dexter Williams. But that Syracuse game, the lanes were wide open. So shit, use it, yeah. right? So so if you if it's open, you have to win the game, right? Take it. Take advantage of that defense. Do it, right? Don't just run the ball because you're Navy and you're, you know, you're stubborn, right? You know, no. But I also think that, like, look, man, like, you can't just abandon the run. Like, in 2017, that whole season, we're relying on Josh Adams. We're running the ball. We're doing power running, which actually we started doing at the end of 2016, against usc if you really want to go back down in the time machine but we're doing power running all year we get to miami and they you know throw rocks at our bus or whatever they did and all of a sudden oh we're just not going to do that anymore you know we're trying to run to the edge against a fast miami team rather than just run down their throat between the tackles is it going to get stuffed every now and then sure but you don't abandon it that, that's kind of my thing. So with Reese for this game, I really don't know what to expect. And it kind of freaking me out a little bit because it's like, well, shit, if anyone's if, if there's a coach that I think is going to fuck up this game, it's going to be Reese because he's going to be passing too much. He's going to put too much on Buckner. Right. And that's another thing that kind of freaks me out is like, like I gave Buckner a shit ton of praise last week ton of praise 
saying he's Maverick, comparing him to all this Top Gun references, which I haven't seen the new movie yet. You know, I'm waiting for it to come on streaming before I before I buy it. But we'll come. That's a whole other topic. I'm concerned that Buckner, due to his inexperience, if Ohio State and Jim Knowles, who's not a shitty defensive coordinator, if he comes in and Ohio State's got great athletes, they have very good players, very good recruits. You know, I, I didn't do a comparison of, you know, this cornerback to this receiver. And, you know, he had five stars to four star. I, I didn't do any of that shit. That takes way too much time. And I've got a full time job, a wife and a kid and, you know, par- partridge in a pear tree and three cats. Um, My point is this. You can't put too much on Buckner. He's got to ease into the season. He's got to ease into the playbook. He ha- We have to find the hot hand. We- all of these guys, other than Mayer, he's kind of really the only like, yep, that's the guy. Other than him, but we already know Ohio State's going to key on him. Yeah, it's that, that's valid points. I was just more like thinking that um, maybe Tommy felt like um, he could run like a more aggressive offense and I have to look over his shoulder with shanty. So I think that um, I think it'll be conservative and hopefully give us opportunities. What that being said is I was just curious, like maybe more what your guys thoughts were is if Tommy just maybe just said, Hey, you know what? Let's, let's lob it. Let's see what we can do. It worked early. We didn't run the ball late, which should have made sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, and and that can be a two edged sword, right? You know, like, well, this worked earlier and we're gonna we're gonna pursue it and continue to to attack that particular aspect of, of our opponent's defense. But we also can't turn to Charlie Weiss and be like, Oh, that play worked before, let's run it again and then they end up you yep. know, picking it off and sniffing it out because they've made an adjustment, right? Agreed. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. It's 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 tough to say. So well, thanks for having me on, guys. I have to, I have to balance. I got a, I got a four, four a.m. Pacific Coast uh, time call tomorrow morning. But it was Ooh. such an honor to be here, you guys. Please, Johnny, uh, Johnny, thank you, back. thank you for coming, coming back on uh, again uh, tonight. Uh, I think this is your first time joining the show live. We will be here all season Tuesday nights uh, between nine or nine thirty. Kind of depends on where we're at. Um, and uh, but yeah, and we will be doing. A live post-game show. Win or lose, I don't care. Hopefully it's a win, because that'll be really fun. We are doing a live show. Now, we won't be doing live shows for every game. Uh, It'll probably be the games that I'm not personally attending. Um, Right now, I am going to two games. I'm going to the Marshall game. And right the next week, going to the Cal game. Um, so okay. we will not be doing live shows for those two games, but Ohio State and right now everything else uh, right now, the plan is to do live post game shows, get people's reaction. Very little, uh, um, you know, very little preparation, but we'll get the raw motion and, and and let people jump on and we'll put on the podcast version if anyone you know doesn't get it or everyone's too passed out or whatever. But if we win, I think people are going to be celebrating and want to come in and scream the fight song. So that'll be awesome. Absolutely. Maybe I can give you an update from Vegas when I'm there on um, what the um, what the town's like. I'll send you some messages. So again, oh, you're going to the Vegas game. Yeah, we're going to go to Vegas and Clemson. <sighs> nice. Um, um, with that being said, is if anything I do to help with a show, you guys have a great show. Sorry, taking me so long to get on. You guys have uh, a blessed right. week. And uh, I, I realize the time change is kind of hard Saturday. for our, for our West Coast friends. So. 
Thank Let's you. put a foot up their ass on Saturday and get it done. That's Take right. Boot up their ass. All right. Peace out, man. All right. Go Irish. Beat Buckeyes. Thanks, Johnny. All right, that was Johnny W. Boxing. He's uh, He's been a good, loyal fan of the show and, and friend of the show. So, Well, let's move on here. Uh, I wanted to... I've kind of already touched on Ryan Day and how he has only four losses attributed to him. Last year, he was 11-2, and two, and his record against Power 5 teams was 10-2. and two. And record versus top 25 teams last year was five and one. Um, his four-year recruiting average at Ohio State is 6.3. Notre Dame is 12.3. Now it's going to get better under Marcus Freeman. But as the team is today, going into this game on Saturday, Ohio State does, quote-unquote, have better players than Notre Dame. They're in the top 10. We're in the top 15. So... Um, if this was a previous year, uh, I would be talking about the rankings right now, and I have made a decision. I've done two things this year. One is I've refused to look at time of possession because the national champion tends to not be holding the ball that much, honestly, and so I don't really see how the the numbers don't tell me that it's important, so I kind of quit tracking it. So we're not going to look at time of possession. But in these first three weeks, I will also not be looking at any rankings. Yes, I know Ohio State is good, and I know they're ranked like two, and we're ranked five in the AP. Fine. But I'm not going to put any stock into that, right? Because we haven't played anything. And let's face it, Ohio State could suck. We could suck. We could be awesome. They could be awesome. We don't know. So so that's just my opinion, and, and I think that's an opinion shared by a few other podcasters out there. Um, that we really don't know. But as far as what we do know, Ohio State was very good. And if I was, if this, let me put it this way. If Notre Dame was playing Ohio State like in a playoff or at the end of the season last year or something, and the numbers and the stats I'm about to read to you were what was going in for the current season, I'd probably say that Ohio State is going to win. Because of the top five stats, scoring margin, total touchdowns, passing touchdowns, scoring defense, and scoring offense. And all four of those, which are offensive, and then there's the one defensive stat, all of the offensive ones, Ohio State beats Notre Dame. And two of them, they're better than the national champion average. Scoring margin, 22.9. Notre Dame was 15.6. Total touchdowns, they were second in the country. We were 18th. Passing touchdowns, the one of the most important stats, they were third in the country last year. We were 30th, right? Now, where Notre Dame has an advantage is scoring defense. We were 14th last year to their 38th. Total defense, 43 to their 59. We were 12th in sacks per game. And what makes me really happy about that is that someone like Foskey, someone like Jason and Justin Amiola, right? Our defensive front guys are coming back. And so those sacks per game, I think, will just maintain or get better under Al Golden. So that's my opinion on that. 
And if we can put some pressure on CJ Stroud, now that he doesn't have NFL wide receivers on the team and they're waiting for a new group of receivers to rise to the top and demonstrate their competence, uh, I think that's that's in it, something that we can look forward to. Now, what's also interesting is our passing defense, Notre Dame was ranked 63rd in the country, not great. But it was better than Ohio State. They were 96th last year in passing defense, which is kind of like funny and baiting because if you're Tommy Reese and you're like, oh, look at this team. They were only 96th in passing defense. You know, like, yeah, that's that's something to to maybe, you know, think about, you know, if if you compare that to, uh, you know, uh, Jim Knowles's pass defense at at uh, Oklahoma State, their uh, passing defense, you know, they were 12th last year, right? So he's going to have a lot of improvement to go from the 12th pass defense to the 96th, right? And we're going from Big 12 football, which is very pass-heavy-ish, to Big 10, which is a little more run-focused, other than maybe Ohio State and a few other teams like IU, right? Um. And I think in general, college football and, and is going more towards the uh, towards passing. But yeah, that's kind of where it's at. Now, the problems that Notre Dame has to face is the offense. Obviously, we've talked about that. But total offense, yard points, yard points is really good for. And if no one knows what, what I mean by yard points, um, if you do, you're just like nodding right now. If you're driving to work right now, you're listening to this on the podcast version and you hear me say yard points, you you know what I'm talking about and who and what former podcasters I'm referencing here. I'll just leave it there. But they were first in total offense last year. They were first in scoring offense. They were second in third down offense and they were sixth in tackles for loss allowed of 3.96 so they actually did not allow cj stroud to get sacked now most likely what's happening is he doesn't see it and he just chucks it and he avoids a sack altogether but they were also third in passing yards but what makes me feel good about this is in those losses that ohio state had their third down completion was garbage compared to their opponent against oregon Ohio State was 40% in third down percentage. Oregon was 50%. Against Michigan, Ohio State, 44% in third down percentage. Michigan, 62%. And that's because Michigan ran the ball very well. So those are kind of the stats head-to-head that I think give Notre Dame an opportunity to win. Everyone's already crowning Ohio State as this, you know, champion and playoff team and it's just them and Georgia and uh, you know, Alabama probably. You know, who knows, right? You know, and everyone and it's the remaining 128 teams or whatever, you know, fighting for that last spot, right, in the playoffs, you know. At least that's what it sometimes feels like every year, you know if you listen to ESPN. Well, anyway, uh, before I get to my last piece, I wanted to uh, give someone else an opportunity to jump in. Wookie, Kevin, Jason Yeager, if uh, anyone else wants to jump in. We got Jam here at 
Jamiko703, if you want to speak, by all means, jump on. Kevin, you can jump back on. Um, Kevin, let me put it this way. You're a defensive coordinator. You're a defensive coach, Kevin. You've got CJ Stroud against you. You have to prepare. You have to prepare for him. What's your plan of attack? Uh, me personally, um, and, and I have to put into context um, the the team all together because the receivers are, are, are legit. So, um, I will find a way to send double pressure on his backside, his blind side. Um, to expose that blind side and send pressure on that black backside somehow to get some type of jitteriness put in, into him. Um, but it's hard. Um, but you also, I would, as far as coverage, I mean, there, there's different coverages you can run against them. I would not go man against the Buckeyes. I would not go man against C.J. Stroud. I would probably do some type of uh, cover four zone or, or maybe a, a – two-man zone, but not a, a straight man, just so we can bracket those receivers and make those throws harder for them. Uh, the more man we go, the more – I don't think we have the speed at our corners. We may have it, but I don't think we have the speed at our corners to keep up with some of those receivers, um, especially when they have to turn their back and run with those receivers. It might be difficult, and who knows what signals those receivers have to cut off routes or do something else in their route. So we don't want our, our defensive backs turning their backs. So if we can do that, bracket those top receivers, and then send some pressure on that backside, um, I think we'll be fine. I, I mean, that's that's the way I would attack it. Would you attack his weak side? Like blitzing? Uh, so I would personally, but it will, it will depend on how that backside tackle is also. More than likely, the backside tackle is probably the best tackle, right? So... If I can expose either that backside tackle or that backside guard, then that's what that's where I will I will want to send the pressure. I mean, my my opinion is, I mean, no quarterback is, and everyone's every quarterback is trained not to throw across his body, right? So, depending whether he's right-handed or left-handed, right, that's kind of where you can send pressure. Um, I kind of wonder if, and and based on the history and and kind of how he's been coached to be a pocket passer, it's not there, throw it away kind of situation. And look, if, if we do that enough times, that kills a drive, you know, a third and long kind of situation or even a second, second and long. Right now you're putting them in a third and long. Right. If you can send pressure and force them out of the pocket and into a space that he's not wanting to throw the ball. My opinion is, look, let's put CJ Stroud in an uncomfortable position as much as possible. Yeah. If, if, and for me, it's. If we can take away his first op, first and second option, then they have to look to his third or his fourth. That means he has to come back to the back side. So if we can bracket or take away those first two options and send pressure off the back side when he comes to try to get to that that next guy or that in his progression, he'll be seeing somebody in his face. Yeah. Then then it becomes a shock factor. Now it's like, oh my God, here they like I gotta do, I, now I got to either get away with our friend or get smacked. So that's if we can get to him, though. If that if that backside can expose one that guard or that tackle, um, but who knows? Supposedly their own line is supposed to be okay. We'll see. Yeah, I, I imagine. You know, and I like I said earlier, I, I didn't look at the recruiting of Ohio State's 
you know, offensive line, but they tend to not suck, right? You know, they, you know, you got you know, big, big boys probably from Ohio and Michigan or Illinois or in Pennsylvania, you know, wherever, you know, and I'm sure, sure they're very talented and very skilled and, you know, they have the ability to protect CJ Stroud. Um, but I think we've got some weapons too that can, that can rush in there. You know, we're going to have, you know, our linebackers are going to, going to cause some havoc, you know, JD Bertrand, I think is going to have a fantastic year and, um, between him and Foskey and Bo Bauer, our three captains, you know, shit, man, let, let's do it. Don't, don't also forget that Brandon Joseph is in the back there with a wealth of experience. Brandon Joseph has, has faced Ohio state before because he's a big, big 10, you know, uh, safety. And, and I do think up front, um, RD line is going to, going to force some double teams. So something's going to be available. Yes. Um, so we can just figure out what that looks like for that offensive line, um, who who they're who they're going to be looking to double, or whether it's Foskey or whoever it is, um, and then exposing that double and making them pay for it every time they do it. So now we've got uh, Jam here as a speaker at J A M E K O seven o three. Welcome to the Fighting Irish Faithful Show, sir. You are listed as speaker. But if you wish to speak, by all means, jump on. If not, we'll continue on with the show. Okay. Oh, you were there for a second. Come back. We'll wait. It's all good. All right. All right. No, one, one, the thing. Oh, you're cutting out pretty bad. Do you have a do you have a special place in your house where your Wi-Fi or cell phone signal works really well? Okay. Can you hear me? That is better. Jam, welcome to the Fighting Irish Faithful Show. Oh, dropped off. No, I'm having trouble. It's in the night. Oh, bummer. Sure. Well, here we're gonna we're gonna put you on uh, put you on mute here for a second. Go ahead and uh, I don't know restart your phone, restart your Wi-Fi router or something, and then uh, jump back on. We'll be here waiting for you to to jump back on back on here. All right. Well, we've uh, we've gone around the horn. We've got a lot of few things to to a couple few things I wanted to jump on. I was really hoping that Red Snapper would jump on, and and Dave, he's another Ohio guy. Um, to jump on it's past 11 so he should be off work uh shortly soon here uh but we're about an hour and a half in you know we'll uh we'll cut it off you know a little before two hours if we if we get to that point if anyone else wants to jump on by all means uh, this is the fighting irish faithful show talking about ohio state very very huge game very excited this is um i'm pinching myself that we're we're going to be watching our irish play football this saturday night you know we're we're going to mass on Saturday night. I already told the wife. I was like, hey, we're going to go to mass on on the vigil. Uh, we're going to take care of business there. So because it's going to be a late night with the game, we're going to do a post game show. It's going to be awesome. And then Sunday we can sleep in as much as my 14 year, 14 month old baby allows me to do so. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone with kids knows what I'm talking about. I've heard Kevin and your kids and Jason. I know you have children, so 
Uh, everyone, anyone with kids knows what I'm talking about. Uh, and if you if you work from home or you're a, you know you know work work at home with kids, man, I respect to to you on that because that that is sometimes you got to give them attention. You got to give your employer attention, right? It's it's a lot lot being asked of you. Uh, in the press conference that Marcus Freeman gave, he gave a lot of mm. emphasis to the running game. And I was overjoyed to hear this. In addition to scotch and spreadsheets, what we like talking about on this show is running the football. And though we don't have a t-shirt yet on the Fighting Irish Faithful store, the Etsy store, but if we were to produce another t-shirt, the next one would be hashtag RTDB which stands for run the damn ball. Ohio State has a problem with defending the run. It was most evident against Michigan. Michigan ran the ball for 297 yards. Ohio State only ran the ball for 64 yards against them. Oregon, that same year, their second game, Ohio State's second game, Oregon ran the ball 269 yards. Ohio State 128. So that makes me feel good as a Notre Dame fan. Because we scored 23 rushing touchdowns last year. Now, Grant, they had 24. And we've already talked about how Ohio State has a lot of their productivity on the rushing game coming back. But what makes me excited is the rushing defense where we're pretty much dead even. Ohio State allowed their opponents 126 yards and Notre Dame allowed 135 yards on defense. So pretty close within 10 rankings, nine rankings of each other. But Ohio State has shit the bed in the games they've lost last year. Michigan and Ohio State against their opponent. If we can establish the run, control the line of scrimmage with our offensive line, now with Harry Heastan as our head as our as our head guy and with the offensive line, we're gonna be in good shape. Furthermore, we've got this stable of running backs and a mobile quarterback that is gonna be very irritating for Ohio State, is my hope. I see that as a strength. Not only is it my desire and my impression, what I actually want this want to happen, but I, I do think that's going to happen. Let us not forget that Ohio State narrowly escaped defeat against Utah in the Pac-12 versus Big Ten Rose Bowl, right? There's all sorts of good things that, we can take from that, but what really comes down to is Ohio state had to have a comeback win. Now, something else that needs to be mentioned in these other two losses, Oregon, Michigan, if I break down scoring by quarter, the game starts slow. The Oregon game, no one had any points at the end of the first quarter, the Michigan game at the end of the first quarter, it was seven to three. Michigan 7, Ohio State 3. Very low. Towards that second 
quarter and beyond is when it starts getting the scoring starts picking up. But in both games, the fourth quarter, Ohio State does make a comeback. Ohio State under CJ Stroud does have the ability to make comebacks happen. So if the Irish are up in the third quarter, we cannot go to sleep. We must maintain. We must pursue. We must continue to drive the intensity and deliver excellence into the fourth quarter. There's something else I really want to talk about here. And this is kind of, uh, before I get into this, if Kevin, if and Wookie or Jason or Kev who are still on and thank you guys for staying on. And if anyone else wants to join in on a future show, fighting Irish faithful podcast show, we are live by all means, jump on as a friendly place. We invite anyone and everyone to jump on. Kevin, Wookie, Kevin, anyone got anything? Jason? Um, I want to take it back to a uh, comment that you said uh, earlier, where, or a stat, where you were like, Ohio State was horrible on third downs. <laughs> That's where another key point, Al Golden shines, is third down. He will uh, do anything and everything to stop that third down from going into a first down. Now, is that a particular like location on the field, like our our end of the field or their end of the field, like, or is it just in general third down? Um, it's uh, it's more or less when they are on our side going in, more or less. But force a field goal a, rather than a touchdown, right? Exactly, he's great at forcing field goals. Um, he is. He's pretty good at stopping it from going across the 50, but his specialty is more along the lines of stopping that touchdown from happening on third down. Or, yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah, and the stat I started looking at last year, and I will continue this year, is scoring drives and percentages. And I don't delineate between touchdowns or field goals. Like, if you if you get any points on a drive, I, like, consider that as a pass, right? Um, and, and we talked about those numbers earlier, but you're not wrong when you say that if you can force a team to kick a field goal versus getting, you know, six, seven points, right. Um, or if you're Dallas Carter, you know, you go for two, right. That's a Friday night lights reference for anyone there. Um, which by the way, um, I, I have to give us a, not really a Twitter shout out. I mean, this is how I found out, but, um, if anyone who is aware of high school football um, or the movie Friday Night Lights, uh, Coach Gary Gaines from the coach of Permian out of Texas, out of Permian, Texas, West Texas, uh, had passed away. And so I think not this weekend, oh, but the following really? week, Gary Gaines had passed away. And so they're going to have a tribute honor thing. And and I don't really follow a whole lot of other teams, but um it is on my bucket list at one point to go out to Ratliff Stadium to go to a Permian high school football game. Um, I, I like high school football, right? You know, I, I like going to games here if I can. And um, but Permian speaks to me. And um, but Gary Gaines, rest in peace. Uh, hope you're shining down and may perpetual light shine upon you. Um, and you will live in the hearts of uh, people in Permian High School. 
Um, but yeah, third down and uh, stopping teams, uh, preventing seven points. You know, it it's one of those things where it was kind of a warning light on the dashboard where against USC in 2012, Notre Dame had to kick five field goals to win that game. And then we went to a BCS championship game against Alabama and we're like, oh, yay. And eh, it didn't go so well. So not to end on a downer here, but you're you're not wrong if if we can limit a team to that. Now, what's great is we had an awesome defense that year. And so we didn't let USC get any points. So, you know, hooray for our side. But that's kind of kind of where that goes. So, uh, Jason and Kevin, did you have anything else you wanted to jump in and say? Well, last thing I want to say, I know you guys talked about this earlier, and I just want to say about it. The whole thing about Marcus Freeman and what the, what a loss would do to him or what a win would do to him yeah. uh, this weekend. We're 17 and a half point underdogs. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I don't think a loss should move the needle at all. I mean, everybody in the world expects us to lose. So why would a loss to Ohio State this weekend affect him when everybody's already expecting it, right? Right. I do think a win moves the needle a little bit, but what it more it does more is it shines a light on him as, okay, let's take him serious. Yep. Or how let's stupid start- ESPN is, right? Exactly. <laughs> I can't stand fine bomb is uh, to the core. I don't. I don't usually respond to professional people, but I literally told him because he. What did he say? He said something to Marcus Freeman that Marcus Freeman needs to calm down. I'm like, are yeah. you watching what I'm watching? Because he was. That was the most common, collect, unemotional kind of behavior yeah. I've ever seen out of a head coach. And I literally said to him. I think you need your eyes checked. My wife is an, an eye doctor. She can take care of you. <laughs> what was funny about him being mad at Marcus or whatever he said about Marcus was that because Marcus said he's going to take the 17.5 thing and use that as material for sure. the player. Yeah, and put that shit on the locker coaches, room wall, right? All coaches do that. What? Oh, yeah. What's so What's so crazy about him saying that? Every coach that coaches the sport yes. does that. Any coach worth a crap takes that kind of noise and that's what it is it's noise and uses that to fuel young men you take negativity and you can turn it into a positive to fuel these guys these guys are going into battle they're they're literally strapping on pieces of metal and iron over their face because they're literally going to run full speed and hit another human being this is gladiator shit in rome Okay, in the Coliseum, not to make a re- USC reference, but you guys get my point, right? These guys are literally running and hitting other human beings, and pieces of plastic and foam are protecting them from breaking limbs off. Okay, you put something on the locker room door, sign, whatever that says 17 and a half points. Everyone expects you in the media to lose to these assholes in columbus by that margin i guarantee you that's that kind of like mental you know i don't even know what the the correct word is but but it's the kind of stuff lou holtz used to do right 
I mean, it's I, uh, it's mental hypeness, just just to get you hyped up for it. Right, and and you know, there's there's only so much I can do. You know, I'm not a head coach at all. I'm not an assistant coach. I've I've actually never coached, um, you know, any any young people in anything, um, except maybe tutoring. But that that's because I'm an engineer. Um, but I do this podcast, and my intent is to allow anyone. If you're listening to this on the podcast version, anyone, we try to be as inclusive and um, inviting to other people. You know, we've we've hit some a milestone earlier. We already had our first female caller this season, um, so that was good. Um, we are still looking for someone from Hawaii or Alaska, right? <laughs> uh, we are waiting for our first international caller. Uh, we are waiting for our first former player. Uh, or even current player, although I highly doubt a current player is going to jump onto a fan-based podcast, right? Um, or even former player, right? You know, someone like, I'll just say Brady Quinn, just because, you know, he's out there, but he's kind of a professional, right? So, um, We also have not had our opposing fan jump on said space, right? So the point is, if an opposing fan wanted to jump on, we totally let him on and we we we'd hash it out, right? We we have conversations. We don't want to just create groupthink. We want to invite as many people on. So uh, I know sometimes it's hard during the week, but hopefully on the post game shows we'll get uh, we'll get some some uh, a wider wider net will be cast on the post game shows. Um, we're kind of getting down to the end here, and. Um, there's a few things I wanted to touch on here, and Kevin kind of teed me up here with this 17 and a half point dog line that Vegas is giving us. I'm really interested in how that came about, and I am not an odds person. I don't do sports betting. I don't have any of that kind of background knowledge. What I do know is that that is insulting. I read 17 and a half points and I'm like, are you guys out of your fucking mind? Like, I'm pretty sure that was what we were expected to lose to USC at the end of the 2016 season. A season that we ended up four and eight. A season that was the most embarrassing for me as a Notre Dame fan not because like of my ego, but like I felt bad for our players that they had to deal with that shit show under Brian Kelly. That's the kind of spread we had against USC. Now we're going into a game here at the Horseshoe, a game that's been on the books since 2014, a game that I've been looking forward to it. And I tried so hard to get tickets, but I wasn't going to put a second mortgage on the house to get some. And I'm already going to two games, right? I'm going to the Cal game and I'm going to the Marshall game. But I see 17 and a half points and I say, the media and Ohio State, they're, they're cocky. They're cocky as hell. The fan base is ludicrous. I've, I've, I was on a couple of spaces with them they they genuinely genuinely think they're gonna win by 40 points that's what they think notre dame fans they all think we're gonna lose by 40 points 
They are irrational. They don't look at numbers. They don't look at data. Everything we've talked about, I've tried to lay out everything that I think we can deliver excellence. I'm going to come out on my official prediction. A couple weeks ago, I was saying, I don't think we can win. And in my mind, I was like, you know what? I, I don't think it's going to happen. Marcus Freeman has never won a game. He doesn't have any experience. Ryan Day is really good. But here's the thing. I think we can do it. These cocky sons of bitches think they're going to win by 40 points. The line is 17 and a half. At that point, when I read that, I knew we were going to win. And here's why. And I, I, and I don't want to get preachy here, but here's the deal. If any of you are Catholic, you went to Mass on Sunday, or even if you just read the Bible, it doesn't matter. In the Gospel, from Luke 14, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. You look at our head coach, Marcus Freeman. Do you see an arrogant asshole? No. You see a humble man, a molder of men, someone who is putting in the work to prepare his troops for battle. Someone who knows the culture and the environment they're going into in Columbus. He writes down on a piece of paper, 17 and a half points. He tacks that shit on the wall. He point, all he has to do is point to it and say, look, everyone thinks they're going to beat you by that or more. You guys know that's not true. People who listen to this show, who've listened to everything we've just talked about, people that Kevin, Jason, Wookie, and everyone else has talked about. Notre Dame is going to win this game. I am predicting Notre Dame is going to win 35-31. to 31. And that's because we will run the ball. Buckner is going to have a breakout year. We will. They are going to be on their heels. And Ohio State has lost their key receivers. The key guys that made C.J. Stroud really good last year. It's not going to happen. Victory is in our corner. I really, really think that we have it. And this is not just me, like, with my heart. My heart is totally in, obviously. I always want Notre Dame to win. But mentally, looking at the numbers, I really think Notre Dame can do it. But there's a few things we need to do. We need to protect the football. Buckner needs to make good decisions. Tommy Reese cannot abandon the run. We must pursue both run and pass. And our defense has to be smart, smart defense. I genuinely think we can do this. I'm convinced of it. It, There's no question. So that's where I got right now. Notre Dame versus Ohio State. We're all excited. Everyone's excited. And right now, here we go. Go Irish and beat Buckeyes. This is the Fighting Irish Faithful Show. Signing off. We will do a live show coming up after the game. Get ready. The scotch will be ready. If you got a beer, you got something, whatever, bring your kids on. We win, we lose. I don't, doesn't matter. Fighting Irish Faithful will be live probably 10, 20 minutes after the game. And uh, bring it. So thank you, everyone, for joining. Thank you, everyone on the Twitter space who joined us. Go Irish. Beat Buckeyes. Irish win 35-31. Going to Columbus. Kick their ass. Go Irish. And good night.